Do you have your uh, Do you have your Bibles this morning? Can you open them to the Book of Hebrews, the eleventh chapter? I'll give you a time, give you a moment to open your Bibles to the eleventh chapter of the Book of Hebrews. We're going to study together from this chapter a lesson on faith. That shouldn't be a surprise, since this is a chapter in the New Testament that's that's known for its teaching on the subject of faith. The chapter begins in verse 1 with a statement. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. And the sight of God, those of whom we read about in the scriptures from old times gained approval based upon their faith. And as you think about faith through the, through the ages, faith is the same. But the faith that is each person's is different in some sense because of the time in which they lived and the revelation to which they had access during their time. The, the person that we're going to be looking at in this 11th chapter, among all those named, is, is Moses. And we're going to be noticing four things about Moses' faith that I think are significant. And the first point really has to do not so much with the faith of Moses as it does with the faith of his parents. It's interesting. You look at verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born. And then we're going to be noticing in a moment in verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up. And then verse 27, by faith he left Egypt. And then verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover. So his faith impacted his life in different ways, at different points in time. And we're going to be drawing some lessons from that. But again, the first I want to notice with you is, is the faith about which we read that was exercised when he was born. Now, obviously, again, this is not a, not a reference to Moses' faith because as an infant, Moses is not going to have faith. But I want you to notice what is said here about his parents. When he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Go back with me now to the book of Exodus. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Open them to Exodus chapter 1. And at this particular place, we see that there is a new Pharaoh. We think of the Pharaoh as we read through the book of Genesis, the last few chapters. We think about the Pharaoh that was very favorably disposed toward the Jews, toward the Israelites, because of the influence of Joseph. But Joseph has now passed those 70 persons who came and who settled in the land of Goshen have grown into a, a great and mighty nation. 
And that was the first promise that, that God made to Abraham that he would make of his seed a great nation. And at this point, that promise has become a reality. But they find themselves enslaved. And the Egyptians are concerned about the Israelites. They're concerned about the Jews because there's so many of them. And they're afraid that the Jews are going to rise up and become their enemy. And so as a result of that, the king of Egypt, we read in chapter 1 and verse 15, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool." If it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. Now, can you imagine, Karen, what it would have been like to have practiced midwifery at this time? And here, the government, let's put it in those terms, the government is telling you if the child is a son, it is your job. It is your responsibility to put that child to death. But notice in verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. Now you drop down to verse 22. Pharaoh commanded all his people then saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. He was concerned about population control. And he was going to do everything within his power, within his authority, to stop the incredible growth of this Jewish nation. But there's something Pharaoh didn't know. There was something Pharaoh didn't understand. And that is that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob had instituted a plan. And he said to each one of those that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of heaven. So man may want to put an end to God's plan. But those with faith are going to rise up. They're going to stand up. They're not going to subject themselves to the laws of man. They're going to exercise their faith, and they're going to obey God. And that's what the Hebrew midwives did. That's what the Jews did. And that's what the parents of Moses did. In chapter 2 and verse 1, and there was a man from the house of Levi, and he went and he married a daughter of Levi. Now let's step back a moment and let's remember where we're at in the timeline of Israelite history. When we think about the Levites, we think about priests. This was before the giving of the law of Moses. So to be of the tribe of Levi at this time did not mean what it would come to mean in time. The woman conceived and she bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, and what son, what child isn't beautiful? When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. That's what the Hebrew author said. When Moses was born, 
his parents hid him for three months. Why did they do that? They did that by faith. They did that by faith. These parents, think about their faith. Did they go to church? What Bible did they study? Think about the time in which they lived. And yet they had faith that gave them the courage to disobey a law that they knew was wrong. They understood that we obey God rather than men. They didn't justify. They didn't try to reason their way into this thing in a different approach. They just simply said, we're not going to do it. We're going to exercise our faith. And because of their faith, this great one in God's plan, in God's scheme, was not only born, but he survived and he lived. And it's amazing as you look at this story, they did put him in the Nile, put him in a, in a basket. He floats down the Nile and Miriam is sent to watch baby brother to see what's going to happen. And lo and behold, the basket ends up here where Pharaoh's daughter is bathing. She sees the basket. She feels compassion for the child. And she takes that child to be her very own. But then here is Miriam. And Miriam asks Pharaoh's daughter, do you want me to call one of the Hebrew women to, to nurse the child? And she says, yes. Well, who was that Hebrew woman? It was Moses' mother. Do we think that their relationship ended when the child was weaned? Let's consider the faith of Moses. Consider the faith of Moses. Did he learn everything he knew from Pharaoh's daughter? Did she take him to church? Did she read the Bible to him every night? I think the mom continued to have an influence. The parents continued to have an influence upon Moses so that as he continued to develop and as he grew up, he knew who he was. He knew his place. You see, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 was operative in the lives of their parents. Train up a child in the way he is to go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's why Moses made the decisions that he made later in, in life. And as parents, sometimes we become discouraged because our, our, our children are not where we want them to be spiritually. But we need to have faith. We need to have faith like the, the, the parents of Moses, and we need to trust that in time, the teaching and the training and the influence will take hold. And that in time, they'll begin to make those decisions. And we've all seen this. We've, we've seen those who have been raised by godly parents who have gone astray. But then in time, God works providentially in response to the prayers of the parents. Events begin to take place in the lives of those children. And, and all of a sudden, they begin to say things that show hope and, and promise. Well, that's the faith of godly parents. By faith, Moses, when he was born. And then we read, by faith, when he had grown up. Do you have your Bibles? Let's go back to Hebrews, the 11th chapter now. And let's notice in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. This is what he did. He's 40 years old at this point. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather, and I love the language here, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. But notice especially verse 26. How did this come into play? Considering the reproach of Christ. Now, where was Christ at this point? What information did they have about Jesus? What information did they have about the Messiah? Well, he was certainly familiar with the threefold promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob that through his seed, that is Abraham's seed, there would be a great nation. They would be given a land in which to dwell. And then through that seed, all nations would be blessed. But the revelation that was theirs at that time about Jesus was certainly very limited. And yet the Bible says in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I don't know everything that went through Moses' mind at this time. But there was a lot there, wasn't there? Again, you see the, the, the influence of his parents and the faith that was his and, and how he took all of these, these things that he was facing and he saw his, his people, he saw the Hebrews as they were being oppressed by the Egyptians. And here he was enjoying the best that life had to offer. He was... He was in, in line to serve as a great prince of Egypt. And yet he thought about it. And he began to make decisions that most certainly were very difficult for him. But he made those decisions how? He made them by faith. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11, we read about that it came about in those days when Moses had grown up. Same statement that we find in Hebrews chapter 11 that he went out to his brethren and he looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. He knew that the Hebrews were his family. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw that no one was around, he struck down the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. And then he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And, and he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion, your brethren? But he said... Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and he said, Surely the matter has become known. So now where's his faith going to take him? He was, he was ready to be a deliverer. He was ready to lead his people. He was ready to rise up and he was taking a stand for them. But then all of a sudden, life took him in a different direction. Things aren't working out as he would have wanted them to. I mean, these people that he's trying to save, these people that he wants to help, they'll have none of it. You're not going to be a leader over us. You're not going to be a prince over us. Who puts you in this position? Sometimes life brings us disappointment, doesn't it? But it didn't stop... Moses from acting upon his faith. He knew what he was giving up. All the good food, all the, the fame that went with being Pharaoh's daughter, the future that was his, he just gave it all up. He, he walked away from it. He took a chance. He took a risk. And he did it because of his faith. And as we just saw in the language of the Hebrew author, 
that he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Is that where our faith takes us? Is, is that the type of decision that we make? Do we have the courage that we see in, in Moses' parents and that we see in Moses to step out and to make some sacrifice and to give up what otherwise might have been a very good and pleasant situation. I think about the words of Jesus when he said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Well, that's what Moses did, isn't it? Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And then he asked the question, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I think that thinking went through the mind of Moses. I may lose my soul if I continue down this path that has been chosen for me, living here in the household of, of Pharaoh. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, faith leads us to a point that we just don't care what the world thinks. We, we don't care what people think about us. All we care about is what God thinks of us. And if that brings us in conflict with the laws of the land, if that brings us in conflict even with our own brethren, we're still going to stand up by faith. We're going to do what we know is the right thing. The third thing that's said about the faith of Moses, he left Egypt. By faith, he left. Egypt, verse 27. Not fearing, look at it again, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Consider the statement. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. When he was born. What did his parents do? They acted upon the faith that was the assurance of things hoped for. They wanted a future for their child. The conviction of things not seen. They didn't know what was going to happen when they put the child in that basket. But they gained approval by their faith. When Moses had grown up, he left the riches of Egypt. He didn't know where that decision was going to take him, but he was assured of things that he hoped for. He had conviction of things not seen. He knew that wherever he was going to find himself in the future, God was already there. And that's where that faith <coughs> took him. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. Talk about a, a turn of events. He tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and he settled in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. Can you just imagine where Moses was at here in his thinking? He's 40 years old. He's going to live to be 120. Now, he didn't know that, but his life is only a third over. He's a, he's a young man. He could have been back in Egypt he could have been experiencing the best of the best. But now he's been ran out of town. He's broken the law. Pharaoh wants to put him to death. And he's just sitting by a well in Midian. 
He's out here in the desert. What am I going to do? My college degree is now useless. <laughs> what am I going to do out here by this well? Well, we, we do know the rest of the story about the priest of Midian who had seven daughters. And I think it's interesting as they, they came to those troughs to water their father's flock, there were shepherds who came and, and, and tried to drive them away. But Moses stands up and he helps them water their flock. And, and when they went back to their father to tell them what happened, they said, an Egyptian helped us. Think about that. An Egyptian, it was an Egyptian that helped them. <laughs> it was an Egyptian. And there's nothing that messes my train of thought up more <laughs> than a beautiful child, whether it be Reese or whether it be Hattie just walking around. It's messed me up. But he looked like an Egyptian. You know, again, he was raised to be an Egyptian. Kind of makes me think of, of Joseph, how he was sold into Ishmaelite slavery at the age of 17, and years later his brothers came to him, and they didn't recognize him because he looked like an Egyptian. Apparently there was an Egyptian look, and it made you unrecognizable as, as a, a Hebrew. But Moses gave all of that up because of his, his faith. And most of us will never even scratch the surface of what Moses had, the life that could have been his. We'll never even have that to give up. And yet, he gave it up. He gave it up. He gave all of it up. And it was by faith because he was looking to something better. And that's what Paul did. In, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul writes about those things that were gained to him, those things that I've counted as lost for the, the sake of Christ. And, and more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Does that, is that where your faith takes you? Have you left Egypt? Have you left the world? Have you, have you given up everything for the sake of Christ? And are you moving forward and looking through the eyes of faith to the reward that will someday be yours? And no matter what happens, you're going to continue to move in that direction. That's what faith does for us. But then the last statement that's made about Moses' faith I find this to be an interesting one. It's, it's, again, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. By faith, he kept the Passover. I was thinking about this earlier with Ronnie's comments on the, the Lord's Supper. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Now, again, we go back to the book of Exodus and we move forward to the 12th chapter and after all the plagues of Egypt, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hardened his own heart. Then God, through these events, hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he just wasn't willing to let the people go. Each one of the plagues was in a direct attack or assault upon one of the different gods of Egypt. 
And now it's the deification of man that God's going to address in the putting to death of the firstborn of every household. Every household is going to be affected by this plague. Think about that. Everybody has a firstborn child. And imagine what it would have been like in the household where one of the parents was the firstborn. What if the husband and the wife were the firstborn? And there was a firstborn child in the house. Then on this night, three were going to die. And whatever children were left were going to be orphaned. They're going to have to fend for themselves. This was a horrific plague. All of the plagues were horrific if you study them and look at them very closely. But this was the worst of all. And God said in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, say, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. And then you drop down to verse 6 of Exodus 12. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And then in this same chapter, you drop down to verse 12. God said, For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night... And I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. What did we read about Moses? By faith, Moses. What did faith drive Moses to do? He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Again, just imagine what that night would have been like. You would, you would have heard screams throughout the land as people saw their loved ones just die, apparently for no reason. And yet the Israelites, all they had was the blood of the lamb. They had never seen the blood of the lamb. Any, any lamb save people before. They were operating based upon their faith. And can you imagine the next morning waking up, walking into your child's bedroom, the firstborn, and that child waking up and being there. They were saved by the blood. In 1 Corinthians 11, we read, about, we read about the institution of the Lord's Supper. It was the Passover feast. When, when Jesus served the unleavened bread, when they, when they drank the fruit of the vine, it had real significance for them, especially if they remembered back to the night. And this was not a part of the Old Testament law originally. This was instituted at that time. 
on that night. And as they remembered back how the angel of death passed over each house. And they were delivered. They were saved because of the blood of the Lamb. By faith, we put trust in God to save us. When we express our faith and confess it, and we repent of our sins, and then we're baptized to have those sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins are passed over. But only through the eyes of, of, of our faith does that happen. And then when we partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of each week, it has so much meaning, so much significance, and there are so many different angles at which we can look at the Lord's Supper, but really it comes down to this. And that is a memorial of the blood and the body of the lamb that was slain so that we might have our sins passed over. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. My prayer is that we gain God's approval as we exercise the faith of Moses' parents and of Moses himself. This lesson is yours. Let's go to God in prayer.